Well, I'm thankful to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter number 20. We're in Exodus 20 today, and uh, today is actually uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. So we're in Exodus chapter number 20, and this morning we're talking about life matters. Life matters this morning. And uh, when you're talking about how life matters, just I, I, it's my prayer that we understand how precious you are this morning. That, that God Almighty who spoke the heavens into existence, He spoke the galaxies into existence, and He spoke everything that's been created, He created He created you uniquely, and He knows you by name. He knows everything about you, and designed you, and knit you together, and you are precious to God Almighty this morning. Uh, We are living in a world where there's actually two explanations when you're talking about the origins of life, the origin of life. You have the theory of evolution, and the theory of evolution uh, is what has been taught uh, to our children, and when you're talking about the theory of evolution, basically uh, we exist because of random chance. We're just a little bit different than the rest of the animal kingdom, although we're in fact, one of them, and that's why so many folks, if you tell them long enough that you're just another animal, you start acting like another animal. And we're not animals. We are people made in the image of God. We're not here. You're not here because of random chance. You're not here because you're somebody's mistake. You're not here because somebody decided to have sex with somebody else. You're here because God Almighty wanted you here, and He created you uniquely And the Bible teaches the origin of life in Genesis, and it doesn't give a lot of details, but it does tell us that you and I exist because, God, we have a creator that created you, and he created me. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and so when you're talking about the Bible and the biblical explanation of why you exist and where life came from we would say it didn't happen just because of random chance but rather it happened because of sovereign choice. There's a sovereign God in heaven who brought you into existence this morning. The Bible says in Ruth chapter number 4 and verse 13, in Ruth chapter number 4 and in verse number 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. In other words, the Bible's simply teaching this, that hey, two people can have sexual intercourse till the cows come home, but the fact of the matter is God is the one who gives life. The Bible says in Psalm 139, verse number 13 through 16, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, the Bible says, For you formed my inward parts, You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. God Almighty created 
us. He created us physically. He's, he's the one that gives life. He gives us physical life, but he also gives us spiritual life. The Bible says over in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 14, in verse number 6, the Bible says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He's the one that gives life. God is the giver and the taker of life this morning. You know, some people struggle along the way for a lot of different reasons, but one of the ways we struggle sometimes is with self-esteem issues depending upon our physical beings. And the fact of the matter is God doesn't make mistakes. He made you uniquely. He made you specially. He designed you just like he wants you to be. He gave some people hair to cover their scalps, but he gave me a beautiful scalp. And I'm grateful that he wants to show it off to you this morning. <laughs> we have these struggles over physical issues. But let me ask you a question this morning. Obviously, he has created you physically, but this morning I, I made reference to a verse of Scripture. Have you been born again spiritually? Spiritually. Have you been born again? The Bible says over in John chapter number 3, You've got to be born again, a new nature, born from above. Why is that? It's because the first time we're born, we're born with a sinful nature. We're born with a fallen nature, and the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reason why we sin is because we have a sinful nature that leads us towards sin. You know, there's some people that don't believe that. Some people don't believe we were born with a fallen nature. But the problem is just ask this simple question. Has there ever been a time in your life with your own children that just said, hey, let me teach you how to do wrong? You, you never had to teach them how to do wrong. They knew how to do wrong from the get-go. you got to teach them how to do right. We have this fallen nature that leads us, causes us prone to wander from God and His Word. And so the question is, is have you ever been born again? Ever been a time in your life when you realize, man, I am a sinner and I have fallen short of God's glory and I need to be saved? Because the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That God Almighty who created you, He created you for purpose. And next week we're going to go a little step further with that purpose and understanding His purpose for your life and how can we understand and how can we know your purpose for life. And we're going to go there next week. But the fact of the matter is He desires intimate relationship with each one of you this morning. And if you don't have intimate relationship, you're missing out on life. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, For I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And it only happens with a relationship with God Almighty. And so if you've never called on his name, I'm encouraging you to call on his name this morning. We're talking today about life matters. Life matters. Exodus chapter number 20, right in the midst of all of these different <clears throat> commandments that God gave, the Bible says this in Exodus chapter number 20 and in verse number 13. The Bible says this, you shall not Murder. And it doesn't go any further. It just says, you shall not murder. And when you're talking about murder, all murder is, is killing, but not all killing is murder. And so what we have to be careful of is misapplying God's word. A lot of times there are folks along the way that will take a word or take a truth from the Bible. And when you're talking about the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments oftentimes are misquoted and misunderstood. And this would be one of those times when they're misquoted and misunderstood. Because when you're talking about this specific commandment, not all, not all killing falls under a prohibition 
from God Almighty. And so you got to be careful. God doesn't contradict himself. And so when you're looking at that killing that is not prohibited, what killing is not prohibited according to God's word? What killing? And, and, and by the way, before we go any further, let me just say, there are actually nine different words in the Hebrew language that are a reference to some form of killing. This happens to be a commandment that prohibits what's called simply murder. Murder. All right. And so, and so, what is exactly not prohibited uh, in Scripture? Number one would be <clears throat> not prohibited the killing of animals. The killing of animals throughout the Old Testament, we have the sacrificial system that was established by God Almighty, and there was killing of animals in the place of to atone for the sins of mankind throughout the whole Old Testament. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number ten and in verses eleven and twelve. Hebrews chapter ten. Verses number 11 and 12, the Bible says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. And I'm thankful to God for <clears throat> laying down his life for you and me. That's why we talk about the spotless lamb of God who was slain from before the foundations of the world. That's who Jesus Christ was. He took the place for you and for me. But we have Old Testament sacrificial system, but we also have for food. When you're talking about the killing of animals, we have the killing of animals for food. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 9 and in verse number 3, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave <clears throat> the green plant. And that was post, again, post-flooding of the world. Over in Acts chapter number 11, in Acts chapter number 11, the Bible says in verses number 5 through 7, it says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me, and when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. In other words, for food. When you're talking about what's interesting is that uh, 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 reading through these passages of Scripture and verses of Scripture, uh, uh, the Bible doesn't prohibit the killing of animals for specific purposes along the way. I don't think that Peter would embrace either of those, those verses, but the fact of the matter is it's still biblical. It's interesting to me where Peter would defend animal rights. They'll be out picketing the rights of, of, of those that say, I, I, I would rather be... Pro-choice than pro-life. In other words, we'll defend the life of an animal, but we'll take the life of a little baby. And there's a serious contradiction to somebody that goes there. Now, when you're talking about Scripture, we do have an obligation to take care of our animals. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, in verse number 10, Proverbs 12, verse number 10, a righteous man has regard for the life of his animal, but even the companion of the wicked is cruel. Man, when you're talking about man, <clears throat> man is made in the image of God. We don't take the life of man, but an animal is not created in the image of God. Therefore, therefore, the Bible says that's not prohibited in the eyes of God. The declaration of war, when you're talking about war, how does that work and how does that fit in? We're not talking about murder. We're talking about killing that takes place 
War is not pleasing. In fact, nobody wants to go to war, but the fact of the matter is war is a part of life in a broken world. War is a part of life in a broken world, and nobody wants to go there. Nobody longs to go there, and it is nasty. But there is killing involved when you're talking about war. And the Bible says over in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes in chapter number 3 and in verse number 8, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 8, the Bible says there's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And so when you're talking about war and what does war look like, during the days of St. Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, uh, they established what we practice today as just war. What is just war? What does that look like, just war? What exactly is that just war? There are criterias for what we would call just war and what that looks like. Number one, when you're talking about just war, there's got to be a just cause. In other words, one nation can't just go to another nation for no reason and just drop bombs. There's got to be just cause and there's got to be just intent. What's the purpose behind? What are we trying to accomplish? In other words, a lot of times what we do is we get frustrated as individuals, do we not? I mean, how many times have we been attacked? How, let's, let's, let's just go back. Let's just go back in time a few years ago to 9-11. And after 9-11, when we said, man, why don't we just go drop bombs on the whole nation? Well, there's got to be, there's gotta be uh, the whole purpose for what are we trying to accomplish? We're not just dropping bombs on people for the sake of dropping bombs on people. We can just obliterate nations. And so just war doesn't permit that, doesn't allow that. It's, 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 it says there's got to be just intent. But also, it's, ha it's got to be the last resort. In other words, it's not my first response just because something took place. I'm going to war. Well, because war is, again, it's taking of life, and it ought to be done as simply the last resort. The last resort. And so God help us understand what we're trying to do not only when you're talking just war, there's got to be a legitimate authority, a recognized authority, and, and so recognized nations. When you're talking about responsibilities, it's no different than individuals. I mean, it really is no different than individuals. The responsibilities that we bear, to whom much has been given, much will be required. And if there's opportunity to intervene for the greater good, then that's what you do. And sometimes that means... Life may be cost along the way. You know, when you're talking about individually, think about individually what it looks like. Think about individually, because sometimes people say, I don't know how you can, how you can as a believer, <clears throat> support war, but yet thou shalt not commit murder. How does that work? And, and so that's where we're going. But individually, individually, think about this individually. What would you say, what would you say, if this morning, if we pulled out of the driveway out here, and you pulled out of this driveway out here, and, and, and you drove down the street, and across the street, you saw a young lady, and she was getting beat up on by some dude. Would you say you have an obligation to stop and to intervene? And it might cost me something. In fact, at the end of the day, it might cost me or him his life. But do you say, don't do it? Or do you say, God, help me know. <clears throat> help me, help me intervene when I need to intervene. And as a nation, a lot of times people will say, we, we don't need to get involved in the affairs of everybody else, when the fact of the matter is, God has entrusted us with the opportunity and the ability to intervene for the greater good of mankind. 
And so God help us along the way. Declaration of war is not prohibited. Killing in war is not prohibited in Scripture. Another one would be capital punishment. Capital punishment. In other words, when you're talking through Scripture, the Bible says it like this in Exodus chapter 21 and in verse number 12. Exodus chapter 21 and verse number 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. In other words, if you've taken the life of another man for no reason and you've killed that man, you ought to be put to death. Exodus 22, and in verse number 2, the Bible says, If the thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no, no blood guiltiness on his account. What's he talking about there in the book of Exodus? He's saying self-defense, self-defense, to protect myself, to protect my family. I'm not looking to kill somebody, but at the end of the day, if it's in self-defense, then you're not guilty. We live in a messed up world right now. Y'all all right this morning? It's quiet. <laughs> Over in Romans, the Bible says this in the book of Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 13 verses 3 and 4. We're not talking about vigilante justice here. The Bible says in Romans 13, verses 3 and 4, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God for you for good. But if you do what is evil, then be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. And so should our justice system be. When you're talking about what's not prohibited, what's not prohibited in Scripture is capital punishment. What is prohibited? What are we talking about here? Well, he says, thou shalt not murder. You shall not murder, verse number 13. And we do live in a violent world where we don't think very highly of life anymore. And we can say there's a lot of reasons for that, but I really believe one of the greatest reasons for that is because of the theory of evolution that's been taught to children for years. Homicide. What is prohibited? Homicide. Killing of people. You know, when you're talking about in the United States alone, CDC put out that there's 24,576 homicides. It's a crazy world that we're living in. It's crazy because I was preparing for this message and my wife and I were at Walmart on North Monroe the other night when that dude was shot in the parking lot. Needlessly. 24, 67 every single day. In fact, when you're talking about during the time of our service this morning, there will be three people that are killed in our country because of homicide. And that's what God is forbidding here in His Scripture is homicide, the taking of somebody else's life just because. Just because they cut me off in traffic, I'm going to kill them. God help us. <clears throat> suicide. Suicide. 47,000 suicides are successful every year 128 every day five during this service when you're talking about suicide there's only one in 25 are successful so there's over a million suicide attempts in our nation every single year 
when you're talking about this issue of suicide, suicide is one of those things that oftentimes is just not spoken very much about. It's kind of a taboo subject that we don't really want to speak much about. But, you know, when you're talking about when somebody takes their own life, 90%, 90% of suicides are committed by those that have a diagnosable disorder. There's a diagnosable disorder with most, with most, 90%. And this morning, I just want to encourage you because a lot of times what happens is people have these silent struggles along the way. And if you ever get in that moment when you're just silently struggling along the way, when you feel like, does anybody care? Does anybody listening? Is there no purpose? Is there, is there no significance? I just don't see. I just don't see an end. You know, when you're talking about suicide and the taking of life, suicide never fixed anything. It has never fixed anything. It's never paid a bill. It's never healed relationships. It's never fixed anything. And it's not the answer. And so I just want to encourage you, again, <clears throat> to be mindful, not only of your own self, but also those around us. God, help us to be there for people along the way who are struggling with a very serious, serious issue. Suicide. Abortions. Abortions. I believe God's Word is prohibiting abortions this morning when you're talking about where we are as a nation we are a nation with blood on our hands over 62 million babies have been killed since roe versus wade court decision the numbers of abortions are staggering because oftentimes what we want to do is we want to stick our head in the sand and not listen to the cries that we don't hear because they never have an opportunity to cry one million <clears throat> annually, average. 2,700 every single day. 2,700 every single day. During this service alone, listen, 115. 115 babies on average, on average, during this service time right here. That means if we have a room full of people, this whole section right here, Put one in every seat will be taken and snatched out of the womb of a mother during this service. And it's not just during this service. It's every hour of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month, every month throughout the year. When you're talking about the atrocities that we have, they're far worse than what Hitler ever committed. And that's where we are as a nation. <clears throat> God help us. When you're talking about the great question, the great question in the debate is this, because <clears throat> I believe everybody understands it. It's, it's not right to take a life, but the question is, when does life begin? Because there's a lot of different opinions on when does life begin. And I, I believe that even biblically teaches us that life begins at the moment of conception. When you're talking about what happens when a, when a baby is conceived, when a baby is conceived, the sperm and the egg come together. The only, the only things that come together that are brought there because of the mother and because of the father, the remainder of the gestation period from the moment of conception is simply nourishment and protection. It's all that's happening. And that also happens, by the way, outside the womb. At the moment of conception, I believe that God is knitting together a special, unique individual 
Let me go back for a moment. Let me go back for a moment, back to Psalm number 139, verses 13 through 16, and watch. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Here, here's just a question before we go further. Just a question. In that moment, if, there's a, if there is something that exists that is lifeless, question, was there a moment that Jesus Christ was lifeless? Was there a moment that he was just a blob? Just a wart to be removed? You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and I skillfully and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not even a single one of them. When you're talking about babies, babies are a gift from God. That's what they are. <clears throat> babies are a gift given by God to us, and God help us understand our responsibility as people. Uh, abortion, when you're talking about the act of abortion, is wrong. It's, it's one thing, by the way, let me, just, let me just stop right here for a minute because, because there's a lot of folks that are, that are impacted because of the abortion issue. It's not just women, by the way. It takes two, and there are people that are struggling big time as a result of that. There are some people that have had abortions, and, and, and by the way, when you're talking about, when you're talking about Whatever form of, of taking of life we're talking about this morning, I'm grateful, I'm so thankful to God that it's not the unforgiven, unforgivable or unpardonable sin. I mean, with every one of those things, there are people that have this crazy belief system that believe that, man, if you, if you took your own life, there's no way you're going to heaven. Well, show me that in Scripture. If, if, if you killed somebody else, there's no way you're going to heaven. Sh show me that one. In Scripture. In fact, when you're talking about taking of life, and I'm not making light of taking of life because it's an important issue, but when you're talking about the taking of human life, you look through Scripture, and I'll tell you what you will find. You'll find some giants of the faith who took lives that they ought not have taken along the way. Moses, David, Paul, the taking of human life. I'm so thankful this morning that there is forgiveness for us. But with this issue, let me just, let me just stop right here for a moment because with <clears throat> the abortion issue, a lot of times what we do is we want to stand on the right. Say, man, that's right, that's right, that's right. Well, the fact of the matter is we're dealing with people and there are people that are in the midst of some struggles and God help us not be a group of people that say, hey, you know what, you ought to have that baby understanding that along with that baby comes hardship. For some, it means that their families walk away from them. For some, it means I'm getting ready to become an isolated island because my parents walked away from me and because the man walked away from me and turned his back on me, and now I'm alone. And so the church has got to say, hey, you know what? We do believe, we do believe 
and choosing life. We do believe in taking care of that little child. But we also know that it might be some hardships along the way. And that we're willing to roll up our sleeves and walk with you and help you in any way that we possibly can. And so God, help us understand that, man, we have a responsibility not just to say, this is right and this is wrong, but I'm going to come alongside of people that are in the midst of some great struggles. And one of the ways we do that, one of the ways we can do that, again, is just being hands and feet right where you are, right where you are, because we all have people in our life that will be faced with this situation along the way. God, help us know how to respond in those moments but also, we're a part of, we as a church family are a part of a women's pregnancy center. And, uh, and I'm grateful to God for the women's pregnancy center. And I, I, I want to show you a little video clip of their ministry because it's an incredible ministry. And I want to encourage you to listen, listen to what they have going on. And my prayer is that possibly you might be here this morning and you might say, you know what? I would like to come alongside and be the front lines, be on the front lines with people who are in the midst of some great struggles in life. And so I have a, a little video from a women's pregnancy center that I'd like to share with you this morning.
so this morning. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I'd like to be, I've got some time and I would love to invest it. Uh, I can think of no greater way than investing it in the lives of folks that are in the midst of some major, major critical moments, uh, making major decisions, impacting little precious lives. And so if you're interested, I would encourage you to go to a Women's Pregnancy Center, AWPC, and, uh, and check them out, and they will gladly receive you uh, into their body. Uh, perhaps you're here this morning, we've been talking about murder, and we've been talking about taking the life, uh, taking of life. Uh, and you may be here and say, man, I've, I've, I've never been involved in any of those things. Uh, well, you know, the Bible also talks about spiritual murder that we can commit, and uh, which is, again, prohibited in Scripture. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 5, over Matthew chapter number 5, the Bible says it <clears throat> like this. Where am I? Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22. And the Bible says, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, You fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. And so he's just simply saying, hey, unchecked anger and hatred and bitterness is a reflection of a heart that's possessing murder. And God, help me understand my own heart. Help me understand the wickedness of my heart. When you're talking about my own heart, sometimes we don't understand our own hearts. And so how does it work? Well, what happens is our words are oftentimes an overflow of our hearts. And when you're talking about the words that we share, here's the question. Are you, are you involved in slandering of people? The slandering of people. What is slander? Slander is simply lying to destroy someone's reputation. Slander. What slander is, it's a reflection of a heart that's harboring the spirit of a murderer. Gossip. What about gossip? Sometimes we use those two terms synonymously, but they're not synonymous terms. Gossip, oftentimes gossip is telling the truth with the intent to destroy. So there's a difference. One is fabricating a story. The other one is saying, hey, I, this is true. Well, just because, it, hey, just because something's true doesn't mean you go and repeat it. A lot of times the reason why we repeat it is simply because I want to just share the story and smear another person. And so God, help me understand where I am this morning. Are these precious people in my sight as they are to my Father? 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. God, help me, help me to live a life where my heart is overflowing with love towards other people. God, help me love like you love. This morning, I know we, we live life in a, in a world that is plagued with violence. And, uh, but the Bible is very clear. Hey, you shall not murder. But I am grateful to God that there is hope, that there is forgiveness, that God, if we will, he will take all the broken pieces of my life, put them back in a beautiful way, and use me for his glory. 
And so this morning, you may be here and you may say, you know what, I'm struggling in some area of my life, whether it be one we've mentioned or something else. I would encourage you this morning to cry out to the Lord God Almighty because He knows your needs. He knows your struggles along the way. He knows my weaknesses along the way. And He says, I love you. I love you. In fact, He demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still sinners, He died for me and He died for you. He loves you and desires an intimate relationship with you. God, help us to be a people that embrace love and recognize life matters to our God. Therefore, it matters to us as well. Would you do me a favor this morning and join me for a time of prayer? We're going to pray today, and after we pray, we'll sing a song. After we sing the song, you may be here this morning and say, Man, I'd like to talk with somebody. I'd like to pray with somebody. i got some things going on in my world, in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and just feel like, man, it's been a long time. Maybe you're here this morning and you're one, whether you're in the building or whether you're online, and maybe you're here, you're a man or a woman, and there's been a time in your life when you've taken a little life. And you just thought that, man, with time it's just going to get easier. With time it's just going to get better. But this morning I want to encourage you and ask you the question, has there ever been a time when you repented and asked God forgiveness for healing? And if there hasn't, I want to encourage you this morning. It's not time that heals. It's Jesus who heals. It's Jesus who heals. Father, this morning I'm thankful that you love us. God, I'm thankful this morning that Although we as a nation, as a people, God, there's blood on our hands. Father, I'm praying today for those, God, that may be in this place who are struggling. Lord Jesus, I'm asking if your Holy Spirit would touch and do a great mighty work. God, whether it's restoration between you and others, reconciliation and relationship, God, that that would take place today. Father, it may be reconciliation, brother to brother, sister to sister. Father, I pray that happen. God, I pray that you would search our hearts. God, there are places in our hearts that are so deep and so dark that we don't even understand. And I pray this morning that it be your Holy Spirit would shine your light into those places that aren't pleasing to you, Father. And I pray that you would gift us today with a spirit of repentance, a broken and contrite heart. God, have your way today. Lord Jesus, I do pray for our lawmakers. I pray for those in political positions. Father, so many times they're casting votes for this and for that. I pray, God, that you would overrule them. God, that we would be a nation that would choose life. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray.